0: All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started uh, tonight. Lance, is that too loud? Loud enough? I feel like I'm shouting, trying not to shout. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer this evening, and then uh, we'll get started. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for your grace and mercy. Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to uh, be here tonight together uh, just to open your words, spend some time uh, meditating on your scriptures. Father, just uh, thank you for uh, the light that it is uh, to our path, Father. Uh, we just uh, pray that we would uh, meditate on it, that we would uh, love it, and, Father, that we would uh, just encourage one another uh, with your word. We just ask this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, obviously I'm not Pastor Zach. Uh, I got a text this morning. Uh, asking if I could fill in tonight uh, for the devotion time, and I thought, this is perfect timing because I have a lot of things I need to correct from his sermon on Sunday. That I'm, so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. And for the microphone and the recording, I am kidding. That was just a joke. Absolutely a joke. Uh, I, I, <clears throat> I will say this. Um, I have just really enjoyed the past two Sundays uh, with the messages on the Holy Spirit. It's been very encouraging and convicting. Um, uh, so tonight, uh, we are going uh, to start uh, with a jumping point from Hebrews chapter 3. Now, uh, I know we've spent uh, s- some time several months ago when I filled in, uh, in Hebrews, uh, specifically even into this uh, chapter, but we're n- we're not going to spend a lot of time here. I just, it's just kind of a branch off of um, just the study time in Hebrews. Um, so if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 12 through 14, Real quick, talk about that, but then we're going we're going jump to our our other passage for tonight. Uh, so if you're in Hebrews chapter three, uh, starting in verse twelve, it says, <coughs> "Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin." For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So, um, three, three key words, and again, my intent is not to stay here long, but three key words I want to look at in this section of Scripture, and hoping it helps us get to where um, I'd like to go tonight, here in a bit. But if you look at verse 12, uh, you see the word beha- beware. Uh, in verse 13, you see the word exhort or encourage. Some of your translations might use the word encourage. And then in verse 14, you see the word hold. Now, all of these words uh, can be applied to the singular, and and they need to be applied uh, to the singular. Obviously, um, on a daily basis, I need to be applying those words to myself. But in in the context, in the text that we're here in this, uh, this passage is speaking to a group of believers. And by implication, you know, obviously, brothers and sisters, it is speaking to, Uh, directly to us and and these these aren't suggestions either and I think that's very important for us to to look at when we see this part of scripture this this is not a suggestion uh, for a healthy body of believers these are these are admonitions to a body of believers so together we are to be aware and we are to exhort and we are to hold one another this this is our job uh, as a body of believers and God has clearly given us a framework Uh, to operate from and enable us to do so when it comes to being confidently steadfast to the end. And you see that there in verse 14. Uh, In Matthew 24, 13, Jesus uh, said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, uh, just to clarify, Jesus is not, and he's not suggesting that perseverance, which is also used there in the word endure, uh, is providing salvation. That's not what he's suggesting there at all. Uh, Rather, he's saying in that passage that God has secured uh, your perseverance, has secured my perseverance as a part of his saving work. So how can we help one another in the process of perseverance? How can we help one another in the process of perseverance, especially in remaining steadfast to the end? Well, one of the key things that we do, and I think you can see that there in Hebrews 13, is we develop relationships with one another uh, that help us hold fast to the promises of God and escape the ensnarement of sin, just like that word beware that we see in Hebrews 3.12. And we exhort one another to stand fast so that we aren't hardened by sin, like we see there in Hebrews 3.13, and we hold each other in confidence, not in themselves or even in each other. My confidence isn't in, in, in Drew, and Drew's confidence isn't in me, okay? That's, that's not what that's saying. The confidence is that we are partakers of Christ, just like Hebrews 3.14 says. So here, here's a question that, you know, and I, I, one of the questions I have tonight, do you ever stop and think that you have been ordained to be relating to your fellow believers in a manner that helps them and in return they help you fight the fight of faith each and every day to the end. Do we do we think about that that we have been ordained to do that to be with one another to help them fight the fight of faith to the end. And and <coughs> I'll Kind of jump off a little bit here. Not really go on a tangent, but uh, but understand as a body of believers, um, you know, our, our elders and and pastor and our deacons, they they are to tend to the flock, and and we know that, and that's and they're responsible to tend to the flock. <clears throat> it is not their job to meet the needs of every person in this body alone. Now certainly they do that by tending the flock, but flock, our job is to meet the needs of one another. That's that's what we have been called to. They've been called to the oversight of such things, and certainly they participate in such things, but we are called to do those things. It's It's not a you know, our faith is not one where you sit on the bench and wait for your your name to be called by your coach. That's, that's not how it works. Everybody's up, everybody's playing. That's that's our faith. It's an active faith. Okay, so I want to uh, I want to go back to the Old Testament, and, and we are going to look at a couple of friends that offer some practical guidance in what it means to help one another persevere to the end. Okay, so. Um, 1 Samuel 23, uh, obviously I think you guys know exactly which two characters in the Bible I'm going to, uh, but there is a great uh, lessons to be learned uh, by Jonathan and David. So 1 Samuel 23, if you turn there, and uh, I'm going to look at (coughs) uh, verses 14 through 18 In the context of of all of of 23 and uh, and what's going on there, but specifically in verses 14 through 18. So, you know, a little backstory. Obviously, most of you know this. I'm sure you most know it. uh, We're very familiar with David, the next anointed king. Um, Saul hates David. Saul wanted to kill David. David was on the run. I mean, that's a brief summation of many years of David's life from the Old Testament. So that, that's where we're at. We're in the midst of that right now. Okay, that's, so that's where this, this story is picking up here in 1 Samuel. If you look at verse 14 of chapter 23, it says this, David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains of the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. So here, here we have David hiding in the rugged cliffs and caves of Ziph, Uh, Because uh, in the previous chapter, well not the previous chapter, in the beginning of this chapter, he's in uh, the city of, of Keilah. And so David actually goes to the city of Keilah and defends it against the Philistines. So he defends it against the Philistines, he attacks the Philistines, David and his men conquer the Philistines, city loves them, Saul finds out about it, Saul's on his way, David's distressed over this whole thing. Um, and he goes and he, and he prays and he prays to the Lord and he says, is, is Saul going to find me? Is he going to come out to find me? The Lord says, yes. Well, will, will the people of Keilah turn me over to him? The Lord says, yes. So David says, I'm out. Okay? I'm, I'm bolting. And so David, he and his men, they leave Okay, they're now in the wilderness, and, and we, we think of the wilderness. I think a lot of times we picture the wilderness kind of, you know, woodsy and, you know, I don't know. I always think of like Alaska, the, the last frontier where you see all the, you're just literally out in the middle of nowhere and there's trees and forests everywhere. But this wilderness is a little bit different, and the fact that it's very rugged, cliffs, caves, it's very sparse, there's spotted woods, things like that, but you could hide here for a long time and not get found. And so David takes his men, and they go and they hide in these, in these cliffs, in these caves, in these cliffs. And, and it's just this constant little chess game. Saul will go here, David goes here, Saul goes here, David goes here. And we see at the end of the chapter, David ends up going to the other side of the mountain from Saul. Saul finds out there's Philistines attacking, so he takes all his men and leaves. And so David is, is rescued by the Lord. He's delivered by the Lord from Saul yet again in this mountain terrain. So that's, that's where David is. So this was not an easy place, one, to find somebody. But we see that God constantly is protecting David in this because it says Saul sought him every day and the Lord did not deliver David to Saul. So there, there is all this going on. God is ordaining every step of David and every step of Saul so that they cannot cross paths in this situation. But here's the thing. Saul is seeking him everywhere, every day. And in comes Jonathan. And this is where I think we can see some very practical things for each other when it comes to one another. Okay? And the first thing is this. We need, we all need a friend in the faith. We all do. We all do. We all need a friend in the faith. And Jonathan and David... Were that for each other? The greatest of believers in Christian history needed someone to encourage them. They needed somebody to encourage. I, I remember reading, um, my, I've got a couple uh, old uh, books about Spurgeon, and there was a time when Spurgeon was just, I mean, <clears throat> he talked about being in the darkest of depressions. Just he felt his soul being in anguish. I mean, that, that's the prince of preachers. Certainly, that guy didn't need somebody to come alongside and encourage him. He absolutely needed somebody to come alongside and encourage him. I mean, you, you think about that. It't I don't care who is your great hero in faith and it could be something very close to you that person needs a friend in the faith to come alongside and encourage them. And, and you think about this relationship between David and, and, and Jonathan, there's a great disparity between the two even though Jonathan was a prince he was he was a prince under the current king but there is a great disparity between the two of them David was the chosen king David had found favor in God's eyes David was a man after God's own heart you know do those descriptors in scripture ever belong to Jonathan no the answer is no David was greater than Jonathan. There is no doubt about it. He was a mighty warrior. And we forget that often when we think of David, but David was a a ferocious warrior. Never forget that about David. He was a warrior. He was a great leader. Now, we know David was a sinner. We know that. But think about this. He was probably smarter and better looking than Jonathan. He had everything going for him. But where was he? He was hiding in a cave somewhere in the side of a mountain in the wilderness. Okay, And there is no doubt that he was far more superior than Jonathan. But what does verse 16 tell us? Jonathan went out and found David. Jonathan did. And and he went out and found David and he strengthened his hand in God. And that word strengthened is, is often translated encouraged. He encouraged his hand in God. Jonathan pursued his friend who was greater. Jonathan did. So please don't ever think that there is somebody that's greater in the faith than you that is not approachable by you to one, be exhorted and encouraged and loved and 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 just taken care of. Never think that. Somebody is like, boy, they exist on this plane spiritually. I exist on this plane spiritually. There's no way I could possibly ever encourage that person. That's the furthest thing from the truth. That's the absolute furthest thing from the truth. The opposite the opposite of that is is very scary because I, I pray that you and I never get to a place where we believe we are too high to receive someone else's exhortation, encouragement. I really hope that never happens. Boy, woe to us all if we ever get to that point, right? None of us want to be at that point where we think, I don't need encouragement from that person. Okay? What a a horrendously sinful attitude to have about the grace of God. Okay? Now, (coughs) God uses us and commands us to exhort one another. Okay? So the first thing you can see there from Jonathan and David is we need a friend in the faith. The second thing we can see there is in verse 16. It says this, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. So here, here again, this is, not, this is not something, and this is what I want to I say this, be intentional with one another. Okay? This is a great example of being intentional. I highly, highly doubt Jonathan was sitting around the campfire in the morning drinking his coffee and went, you know what, today would be a good day to go see David. I highly doubt that happened. Think about what had to go in to Jonathan's plans to go seek his friend. Not only did he have to get around his father's watchful eye, he had to get around an entire army's watchful eye. And how is it But by the grace of God, does Jonathan find David? And Saul and an entire army cannot. Think about that. So David was found by a very intentional friend. Jonathan had to sit and think, how can I go find my beloved brother? And so he did, and he exercised that plan that he had. We don't know what his plan was. We don't know. But the effort that would have taken Jonathan to seek out his friend, is amazing. It would take planning. And this would be serious, intentional effort by Jonathan. And it wasn't just for the sake of a visit, was it? It wasn't just for the sake of a visit. Like, boy, how are you doing? It wasn't that at all. What was the purpose? There was purpose behind this intentional visit. It was to strengthen David in God. He was going to strengthen David's hand in God. So for us as believers, we need to be intentional and have a purpose when we go to one another. The third thing is God doesn't fail or disappoint, but man does, okay? I want you very carefully to look what Jonathan is telling David, okay? Jonathan is not walking into David, and he is not telling David, you know what, David, it's going to be okay if you just... If you just believe in yourself, buddy, I know, I know that you're going to be able to do this, okay? Jonathan doesn't say that at all. Never once does he say, David, if you, just, if you just believe in yourself, man, the sky is the limit. There is a vast difference between secular relationships, secular counsel, and biblical counsel. And that truly is one of the greatest differences between secular counsel and biblical counsel. Um, biblical counsel isn't going to tell you to believe in yourself. Now, it will tell you that you have great value because of what Christ has done for you, and it will, and, and that counsel will, will offer advice that comes from the Word of God about how you should have a right view of yourself as a redeemed person. You shouldn't wallow in your past sin. You should You should be worshiping and praising God for what He has done for you. So, you do see the value, but your value is in self. Your value is in Christ, who is in you. That's your value. And that's, that's the greatest difference there between secular and biblical counseling when it comes to viewing self. And Jonathan is strengthening David, not in himself. He is strengthening David in the hand of God. And that's pretty important for us when we go to one another. And, and this, is, this is tough okay this is very tough because no matter what we say when we go to each other to exhort one another remember that while we need each other and we desperately want to be there for one another and we should crave that we need to make sure that we are exhorting that person to depend solely on god and not on you and that's that's can get hard sometimes that can get very hard sometimes because while we desperately need one another and want one another and are commanded to go to one another the only thing that will really help one another is if our words point them to who christ so when we go to each other when we go to encourage when we go to exhort when we go to lift up and hold make sure that our words are always pointing that person to Christ and on the flip side if you're in a relationship with a fellow believer and that believer is constantly coming to you to seek your words and your advice, be on guard that you're staying with what God's word says because it, it can become overwhelming at times, and you may just end up getting to the point where you're like, well, this is what I would do. And not that you would ever point somebody in the wrong direction, or push somebody to go down the wrong direction, but we have to be very careful. I have to be very careful. Even when I'm exhorting my own children, like, look, this is the right thing. Why? It is because of what I say, but it's because of what this says. And what this says is way more important than what I ever say, Okay. So our words need to be pointing them to Christ. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, Jonathan actually does that here and gives us an example. And we see that in the fourth thing. Remind each other of the promises of God. And that's exactly what Jonathan does for David in verse 17. It says here, and he says to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Jonathan knew what God had ordained for David, and he believed in this promise from God. Jonathan believed in that promise from God. Jonathan recognized that his own father knew what God had ordained for David. So it was for Jonathan to remind David to not be fearful of man, but to be faithful in the word of God. Did you catch that? See what Jonathan encouraged him? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And why aren't you to be afraid, David? Because God said, You will be king. I believe it. My father even knows it. And I'm going to be there because that's what God's word says. That's what the word of God says. And so he knew to encourage him not to be fearful. Jonathan knew exactly what to say to David to meet David's need in that moment because... Let's be honest, if you're hiding in a cave and you're on the run and an entire army and an insane king are coming after you constantly, what's your natural emotional response to that? Fear. Fear. You think David was probably afraid. Yes, I'm sure he was. I can't imagine what it would be like to wake up every day and run from somebody trying to kill me can you? I can't. I can't at all. And that was David's life, day after day after day. It had to be exhausting. It had to be a life full of fear. And what's Jonathan come and tell him? Don't be afraid. Remember the promises of God. Remember the word of God. And that for us, what about, what about us? What about you? What about me? How will I know what to say in that moment? It may not be I need to encourage somebody not to be afraid. It may need to encourage them to, for something else. So how, how do I know that? How do I, how do I respond to that? Well, I think that answers is. In, we can find that answer in Psalm chapter one and verse two and three. And if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to close tonight. in Psalm chapter one two and three. It's talking about um, the way of the righteous man. and, and uh, verse two, it says, "His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So what's this person doing? What's this person doing? Well, there's a couple things we see. Meditating day and night on the law. So, They're in the Word, right? They're in the Word. What else is this person doing? He's not just meditating it and reading it. He loves it. His delight, his love, is in the law of the Lord. So not only does this person stay in the Word day and night, this person loves what they're reading. Truly loves what they're reading. And so what's the end result of that? What's the psalmist say the end result of that? Well, you're you're going to be like this tree that's planted by water. And not just this, this rivers of water. I mean, I picture rivers of water. I think of this, not just a little tiny creek there at Mad River. I'm talking just constant flow. Rivers, plural. The water, the source, is never going to cease. And what's the result of that tree? It's going to bear fruit. And it's never going to die. It's never going to wither. It's constantly going to be there. And, and look, look at that. And whatever he does, he shall prosper. The tale in there at verse 3 says, He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, that's, this is not um, the name it claim it, prosper type stuff. This is somebody who is grounded firmly in the Word of God. And when somebody comes to that tree, somebody's coming to that tree that's being fed by unending waters. It's going to bear fruit. It's never going to die. What's coming out of that? God's word's going to come out of that. So when somebody's coming to a person that is firmly planted in the Word of God and his life is pouring out the fruit. From the Word of God, what are they going to offer to somebody who's coming to seek help? They're going to offer the Word of God. And so, when somebody does come to you and you're like, I don't even know what to say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's in the Word of God. And if we're in it day and night, if we're loving it like we should, then we are going to know what to say in that moment. And we are going to know how to encourage that person. So, stay in His Word, love His Word. And you're going to be able to strengthen your friend's hand in the Lord. That, and that's, and that's, that's what we're called to do for each other. Alright, so just a little bit of encouragement there tonight uh, for, for me, for you, when it comes to taking care of each other and loving one another in this body. And I think, I think we do a really good job of that. I really do. Um, but like with everything, we grow. And we can always be growing in that.